We will help you keep it running thanks to the help you get from ASC Certified Technician Nick Stoffel, who runs a a great place right there in Grand Avenue called Lloyd's Automotive. Nick, good morning to you. Good morning, Denny. How are you doing and the crew at Lloyd's? Things are good, you know. As we can tell, we've got a lot of rain here, and the the forecast looks pretty fall-like, so... Um, I anticipate we'll keep transitioning from the uh, summer, fall, and into into winter here in the next few weeks and do our best to get people ready for that. I mentioned it last week. Are you getting any calls or people wanting to uh, get some help on snow tires? Oh, yes. That's a, that's a hot topic to this time of the year. People aren't sure what's the best options. And, um, you know, it's it's based on advice, opinion, uh, the, the vehicle, like I, like I mentioned, a lot of the um, sportier vehicles with the very low-profile tires definitely benefit from them. Uh, but keep in mind, it can be a costly, a costly endeavor. You know, by the time you get the tires and the wheel set, a lot of times there's another set of sensors involved. So make sure you do your research. Make sure you're getting what you're looking for before you go ahead with that. And like I said, on the and the right vehicle, it makes a world of difference. So I don't want to talk anyone out of it, uh, but it, it can be costly. So make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, costly, <clears throat> very effective uh, from what I've heard and what uh, what you have been telling us. And you need storage. So that's a whole other uh, problem that some folks may not have that, storage. That's the one thing, one thing we forget about is, like, okay, now what do I do with these other ones? Well, you need <laughs> to find them at home. <laughs> yeah, and then, then if you have a small car, how do you bring them home? Uh, after you put the snows on. Uh, we have so many text messages, not only from last week, Nick, uh, but uh, already this morning. So uh, let's get to it. If you have any kind of an issue with your car, your truck, your van, you want to get some advice before you bring it into your favorite shop or your favorite dealer, call Nick or text Nick. Uh, either way, here's the number, 651-461-9226. Interesting question that came in early this morning. Uh, should your brake brake fluid be changed? If so, how often in, is it a full bleed procedure? I mean, is there a maintenance schedule for brake fluid, Nick? There is. Uh, the brake fluid absorbs moisture and it becomes very discolored and dirty. So if you look, you know, if you're handy and you look at your brake reservoir, your brake fluid reservoir, and that fluid is getting very dark and dirty, I would recommend that your next service have that flushed out. Uh, it depends on the vehicle. It's a different procedure or process. You know, typically you try to get all the fluid out of the reservoir um, and you refill that and then you try to open the bleeders at each wheel and kind of flush that fluid through until you have good, clean fluid coming through. Uh, typically, it's a, every couple of few years. Um, but, you know, look at the owner's manuals. We've said a million times. Follow, the, follow those recommendations. They're a great guide. They're not written in law, but the good guide, you know, depending on your driving style, your situation, you might change a little bit, but it's a very good way to keep on top of things, brake fluid, transmission fluid, some cases, coolant oil, all those maintenance items are usually laid out in there on a the schedule for you. Okay. This uh, text, uh, Nick says, hi, Denny and Nick, I always use Mobile One Oil and change every 3,500 miles. I've been told the oil affects the drive chain on my Toyota. Is this strategy uh, keeping my chain in good shape? A great show that comes from Mark in Minnetonka. Are you there, Nick? I'm here. I'm not sure what happened there. Oh, okay. Did you uh, hear the question? 
Yeah, um, Mobile One um, actually uses a product, and you know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, concerns or um, information out there about timing chain stretching. Um, you know, and that one particular brand, I, I'm not smart enough to know it, one brand affects it different than another. But I will say, though, is that the um, interval, if you do your oil changes on the regular interval, follow a schedule. That's the best thing you can do. It's where you end up getting a little bit too long and then you forget where there's excessive heat, wear and tear, which can cause those timing chains to stretch, which can create a lot of problems for the engine. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, let's see. Really enjoy your hosting Saturday morning. Thank you. Uh, car care question. Uh, follow-up from last week. 2008 Subaru Outback check engine light on cruise control light on. I had the code red. It is 301, whatever that is. I have an appointment at my service garage in a week. The mechanic said the code means my number one cylinder has misfired and is not working. What is your opinion? Thank you so much for your help. Well, a, a P0301 is a misfire fault code. That's correct. Now, it doesn't mean it is, isn't working necessarily. It's going to depend on what is a misfire fault code. That's correct. Now, it doesn't mean it is, isn't working necessarily. It's going to depend on what's creating the misfire to what extent. And if it's active, you know, you can tell if your vehicle's misfiring, typically it's not running very smoothly. It's running very rough. Um, I will tell you, if it's misfiring to the extent where that check engine light is flashing, that's the point where you need to stop driving and have the vehicle towed in. So be cautious. If the, my, my rule of thumb or best advice has been if the car is running fine, the light is on, make the appointment, get it looked at. If the car is running poorly and the light is on, you need to get in. And like I just said, if the light is flashing, you need to stop and have that, um, have that towed in and have that looked at. You mentioned earlier this morning the seasons, you can feel the seasons change, and so do the questions that are coming into the show uh, on this Saturday morning. This one says, can I leave my battery on a maintainer all winter long? The maintainer, yes. A charger, I would say no. So make sure you read the packaging. You know, those maintainers have like a, a float, and what that does is it checks the status of uh, the state of charge of the battery, when it drops below a certain voltage, it's going to top it off. You know, like when you're at the, at the diner and they top off your coffee, same idea. They don't keep pouring the coffee and they, they stop. But with a battery charger, it doesn't necessarily know that, so it's just going to keep charging. So read the packaging. If it has like a float position in it, that's what we're looking for. It's a very small amount of current that just keeps that battery fully charged, and you'll be fine allowing that to sit over the winter. All right. We're going to take a quick break, Nick, uh, inviting our listeners to join in. Keep in mind that Nick will be taking his leave in just uh, real close to 745, so we have less than 30 minutes to go on the show. So by all means, if you have a problem with your vehicle and you want uh, an answer, uh, Nick will analyze that over the radio for you. All you have to do is call Nick or send a text, if that's easier, 651-461-9226. But don't wait. As we said, our time flies pretty quickly. 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. 9226 In the Twin Cities, no change in temperature reading. Still at uh, 47 degrees. We are heading for a high today with mostly cloudy skies near 54. Right now, 47 on News Talk 830 WCCO.
Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. We're here uh, every Saturday right after the 7 o'clock news break. Uh, Nick Stoffel, who uh, runs a place called Lloyd's Automotive. And, Nick, I was thinking that the folks, as they hear you answering these questions, and it dawns on them, you know, I should really get those snow tires, or maybe I do need a new battery, or whatever the case may be. If they want some help uh, from you and your crew at Lloyd's, how do we find you? Absolutely. And I'll say not just our shop, but this time of the year, most shops around town are quite busy, so you need to kind of plan ahead. They might be a week, week and a half, sometimes two weeks behind in scheduling. So get, get on their schedule quick before you find yourself at the wrong end of a dead battery or, like you said, it's poor tire traction. So if you need our advice or help, never hesitate to call. We're at 651-228-1316. And if you're on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, swing by and say hi. We're at 982 Grand Avenue. And if you want to check out our website, we'd appreciate that. And that's lloydsautomotive.net. Very good. We'll uh, get you that uh, phone number before Nick leaves us, which is close to 745 this morning. Our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. And we have enough to keep you going here, Nick. Uh, good morning. This one says, uh, text, I need to replace my original AC Delco batteries in my HD diesel truck. Is there a particular brand that you can recommend? You know, I I will tell you if what was the vehicles equipped with work well and met your expectations, I would continue with that. Uh, and it goes for a lot of things with the vehicle. I also say, though, you know, what we carry at the shop is interstate battery. We always have. Um, I feel that they do a good job, a good quality, longevity, strength. So I, I would look under the hood of the vehicle. If that battery is giving you five years and it's been working as expected, I would probably continue with the same same product. Okay, very good. Let's grab a phone call this morning. David, I believe, is checking in from Montevideo this morning. Uh, David, good morning. You're on CCO with Nick. Good morning, Nick. And I, I have a 2014 Ford Escape, and all of a sudden the fobs quit working. You know, I can't open the doors, start the car. It's a push-button start. Um, so I changed the batteries, and that didn't help anything. I can start it if I hold the fob up to the steering column. I can get the start car started, but... That's all. But I I can't figure out what to do. Well, li- likely or possibly something went bad with the the receiver, transmitter, with the part in the vehicle, or the fobs themselves. Um, with a scan tool or diagnostic tool, uh, you can actually assess that, figure out if where the fault lies. I wouldn't go under buying parts because, as you probably have learned, they can be quite costly. The programming procedures can be costly, so. In this situation, I think you should take it to the take it to the pros, have them assess it, so therefore you're buying the correct part and not making too, too many mistakes or too, too many costly mistakes. All right, David. Thanks for the call, David. Uh, this texter, uh, Nick, says, I have a brand-new 2023 Chevy Equinox that will be parked for six months this winter in an underground parking garage with no outlets to plug in a battery maintainer. What do you think can I expect in the spring? You know, if it's in a controlled climate, it will likely be okay. I would make sure, you know, fluids are full, clean, things are maintained as best we can provide. Uh, It's in underground, you know, mostly controlled climate. So I I think you'll likely be okay. Um, You know, come springtime when you bring it out, make sure it gets a good long drive, get that battery fully charged. Um, and, you know, that's the best that you can do. So I think you'll likely be okay. All right. 
Here's an interesting question. Uh, 2015 Equinox, the brakes need replacing. Uh, Texter says, I'm buying parts and having installed. They say Equinoxes uh, use two different size rotors. I tried measuring uh, with the wheel on the uh, sighting through the spokes. I think mine are 321 millimeters. Uh, why do the, the question is, why do they use different sizes on these vehicles? Many vehicles have different size brakes. A lot of times it's how it's equipped, you know, four-cylinder, six-cylinder. Some of the sportier versions uh, might have a larger braking system, and we, we fight with that too. And then, you're, you know, sometimes there can be three or four differences, and they might only be half an inch different. So looking through the wheel spokes isn't going to do it. you got to take the wheel off, measure it, and, and order it. Um, but, yeah, my, my understanding is likely because, the different equipment, you know, the heavier vehicles, the larger engines, the sportier vehicles need a heavier uh, capable uh, braking system. So they tend to have a larger brake rotor and a larger brake pad. Okay. Uh, this uh, texter says, uh, hi, I have a over 320,000 miles great, on my 98 Lexus ES300. It's my daily driver. I put roughly 100 miles a day on it, mainly highway miles. I only use Amsoil 530 Signature Series oil. Question is, how often would you recommend changing that oil? I sometimes go 10,000. Amsoil says you can go even more than that. What are your thoughts? You know, we've covered this a lot over the years, Danny, as you know. And my opinion, uh, we like to do synthetic oil at 5,000 miles, the conventional, which is less and less common at 3,000. And it's not just the oil, it's the vehicle, getting the vehicle looked at. You put a lot of miles on the vehicle, the wear and tear, the steering suspension, and keep in mind that that filter has a capacity of how much it can filter. Once that filter has done its job, that oil's bypassing. So I believe there's a lot of products out there you can read up on that'll tell you you can go a very long period of time on motor oil, and they're likely correct. You know, I, I can't argue them wrong. But the filters still have their longevity or their capacity. And with our roads, our climate, I think a vehicle needs to be looked at. Uh, every so many months. So to go too long, you kind of start to lose all of that uh, that interval and you can potentially have other problems. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here for uh, weather next. So hang on. When we come back, we'll pick up on some text messages that we missed uh, last uh, Saturday. We want our listeners to uh, make sure they get an even, even stroke here on uh, CCO. So hang on. We'll take a look at weather and be right back with more. You're on News Talk 830 W. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here, along with Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive on beautiful little wet Grand Avenue this morning. But I think, I'm sure things are looking nice and green there, though, right, Nick? Oh, a lot of rain, a lot of green. Uh, we'll have to likely mow our lawns another time here, but that's okay. <laughs> we needed okay. it. Yeah, more than once, maybe. Uh, here's a text for you, Nick. Uh, good morning. Texture says, I have a 2007 Toyota Solera with 150,000 miles on it. It seems to always pull to the right, even though I've had it aligned three times. Do you have any suggestions why it would do that? Tires have been rotated every 5,000. I would still, I think at this point, if you're having a continuous pulling issue, I would switch those tires from driver's side to passenger side, not front to rear, but left to right. You might find there's what we call like a radio pole or something in the tire causing that vehicle to favor that side. You rotate them. You might find that it goes straight. Don't ask me how or why, but it, it, it does happen. And 
uh, I think you'll have some good luck and good success with that. All right. Texter says this, my mom's car is a 2009 Hyundai Elantra with only 17,000 miles on it. It has a timing belt. I am told during oil changes the belt is fine, yet I think the belt is old. Do you think the belt should be changed at such low miles? Good question. Mileage, mileage and age. Um, and I, you know, I'd want to see it myself, too. And I think on that particular vehicle, you can feel the cover back to see it. Um, it is a costly repair, several hundreds of dollars. Sometimes it can reach $1,000. However, many, many, many cases that that belt were to fail or any of those components within that system fail, likely it'll damage the engine internally, which means you can't fix it. So very low miles vehicle, but if it really is a 2009, it's original belt, my opinion is I would replace it because you just don't know that rubber has dried out for sure. It's been sitting, it's kind of created a bit of a, uh, it's, the way it's molded, it's kind of gotten itself wrapped around those uh, those gears. So I, I would I would, I would would replace on this case based on what we're hearing, um, but I would like to get a look at it. And for anyone in that case, the car's a very low mileage vehicle, it's equipped with the timing belt. You know, it might say 100,000 miles, but that belt is 10, 11, 12 years old. I think you'd want to replace it before you end up having a failure and have a, an engine that doesn't run. I know we get questions about timing belts and timing chains. Uh, what, what do most cars have, or is it a mixed bag as far as chains or belts? It is a mixed bag. Um, you know, they all used to be chains way back in yesteryears. Timing belts allowed them to be a little more precise, allowed for a lot of uh, um, cost effectiveness, you know, when they're building these things. And then in recent years, chains have technologies gotten better, and there's more, more and more vehicles with chains now. Now, a belt has a special in- interval. Usually, you know, some are low 60,000, not too many. Many are up over 100,000 miles. We need to change them. A lot of times, they're, they drive the water pump, so you'll do that with it and a few other components. Now, timing chains, we see a lot of, we're doing a lot of work on timing chain engines because the chains become stretched, so they get out of time. Yes, how do they get stretched? Many times it's because we don't keep on top of our oil change intervals or we're using a product that's cheap, to be quite honest. So if you use a good quality motor oil, you follow a good interval, and I, I do believe 5,000 miles is the right number, you're less likely to have any issues with the time and chain stretching, which can save you up over $1,000, $2,000 some cases to replace that timing chain set. So um, I'm on a little bit further there, but I just want to make sure people understand how important the little things are on the big thing. A little oil change is a big deal for your engine, especially if it's equipped with a chain. There's certain makes and models that are a little more uh, susceptible to having those issues. But oh, I think we lost Nick a bit there. Um, there he is. Are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, our phone number, again, is also our text number, 651-461-9226. We're in the remaining minutes of our uh, Car Care Show. Uh, here's another one uh, for you, Nick. A 2013 Nissan Frontier with about uh, 55,000 miles on it. The battery does not stay charged. Texter said, I need to jump it every time I drive. I've taken it to the dealership twice, and they cannot find anything wrong. What can I do because it's a hassle to jump it every time I drive, which is about once or twice a week. I've replaced the battery five times. Thanks for any help. Wow. What do you think? Well, there's likely a, a drain on the vehicle when they, when they shut it down. 
Uh, and what I mean by that, so when you shut the vehicle off, you take the key out, everything powers down. Some vehicles take a few minutes or moments for it to completely shut down. But at that point, there should be a very minimal electrical draw on that battery. If this battery is going dead after a few days, there, there's more to it. You know, there's, you know, we like to see them under maybe 50 milliamps. This vehicle might be a couple hundred milliamps, half an amp, maybe even an amp, which is too much of a draw on a battery for it to hold the charge. So, you know, they need to get, you know, take it back to the dealer or local shop, get a, you know, uh, have somebody give you a referral. And in those cases, we put a meter on there, we let a time out, and we kind of watch it. Now, if it's an intermittent problem, unfortunately, that can take some time. It can be sometimes frustrating to get to the bottom of, and it can be a little costly, but you can't continue going through the winter having a jump-started vehicle or replacing batteries. That seems just kind of silly, to be quite honest. So. Yeah. Take it to your local shop, have them do like a draw test, figure out where that drain is coming from, and then you know make that repair. But it might might take some time and effort, so don't don't be yeah. be patient little, with them. Is what I'm trying to say. Little detective work, yeah. Uh, there's a 2019 VW Beetle, sixteen thousand five hundred miles. A portion of the dashboard lights don't light up. About a quarter of the lights. Uh, example: uh, when headlights are on. Uh, Lights on. Could this be a fuse or something more costly? So well, pro- not electrical like, I mean, problem. It's an electrical problem. I would start, depending on the situation, sometimes there's just a couple bulbs, quite honestly, that can illuminate a lot of those areas. Um, depending on the make and the model, sometimes it's easy to access. You can pull, pull just that cluster out and get behind it, um, replace those bulbs. Um, if it's more of a circuitry issue where, we don't have, uh, you know, a, a broken solder joint or something more involved like that or an LED that's gone bad. That can be a little more costly. Um, but typically, as far as fuses go, either something works or it doesn't work, meaning that a fuse can't fix itself. Once that circuit's pulled so much current that the fuse pops or blows, that's it. It's not going to come back until you replace it. So keep that in mind if you're like, boy, this works sometimes. It's partially working. It's not a fuse because fuses are either good or they're bad. So my guess is a bulb or maybe something a little more deeper there with like a a solder joint or something. As you know, Nick, from time to time, we'll get uh, answers uh, or some help from listeners to us uh, with some ideas of maybe something has happened to their car, similar events. Here's a texture that said, uh, for the car with a battery that keeps dying, check the engine ground wires It happened to my daughter's car last year. I had it tested at two auto parts stores. They said it was the alternator was bad, which turned out not to be true. So this texter says, check the engine ground wires. Yeah, having a complete Uh, circuit, you know, the ground circuit, you know, the the engine ground will have a a strap or wire from the ground to the frame of the vehicle, as does the battery, kind of complete the whole circuit. So you want to make sure the circuit's complete. Um, and if there's any resistance or excessive resistance, you know, part of that, that testing, you're going to find that. And you're going to have to figure out why is, why is I have too, many, too much of a draw or too much of a drop of a voltage here, not allowing it to work. When you, as you dig through that, you might find that. So be thorough and complete is, is the only way to go about that. Now, uh, f- before we go, and I know we just have a minute or so to go, we're talking about the earlier uh, timing belts, timing chains. Uh, has it occurred often, to to your knowledge, uh, that uh, these things break as someone's driving? Not necessarily a timing chain breaking. However, if we see some uh, 
wear and tear to the tensioner or to some of those guides, which often have a plastic guide on them. If we see excessive stretch to a chain that maybe causing the tensioner to go too far, and then therefore the guides are kind of moving around more than they'd like, we can see some of those components break, um, which can make a horrific rattling noise. Um, timing belts, yes, they do break, and that's why we want to make sure we get them replaced before they do, follow the interval, because if a timing belt were to break certain makes and models of engines, it'll cause internal damage, which is oftentimes way too costly to repair. So wow. on the chain, we don't see them break, but we see other consequences that can be very costly. On the belts, yes, they will break, and you won't have any warning. It'll just be a not the engine won't be running and that'll be the end. So just follow this read the owner's manual, Google it, don't get too excited, follow the interval, and you'll be fine. And if Murphy's Law in effect it'll be during a blizzard or something. Something that's the hottest day or the coldest day. Yeah, never never when day. you're never when you're expecting. Never. Nick, uh, we have to run. We'll do this again next week, but uh, for folks that maybe need some help with their vehicle, how do they get in touch with you guys at Lloyd's? Absolutely. If you ever need advice or have a question, feel free to give us a call. We're at 651-228-1316. And like we always say, if you're on Grand Avenue having lunch or stopping at one of the many shops along the avenue there, swing on and say hi. We're at 982 Grand, which is the corner of Grand and Chatsworth. And if you'd like to check out our website, we'd like that. It's lloydsautomotive.net. And we'd also like it if you come back next week. Would you do that? I would love to. All right. Thanks, Nick. Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Jack Farrell's wine chat straight ahead. Then get those lawn and garden questions ready for uh, Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappy. We're going to talk lawns and gardens in the 8 o'clock hour on News Talk 830 WCCO.